Welcome to a standalone episode of Livewire entitled Friend Raising. Today we're going to talk about uh, raising support. Uh, it's been said that um, $1,000 will get you $1,000 worth of ministry and no more. And finances are really key to what we do. Um, as an Englishman, I don't particularly like to talk about finances. It's kind of a taboo subject almost. Uh, but I've realized over the last 25 plus years how important they are. And uh, right now I'm in a situation where I have a budget. For 20 years I had no budget. If I had vision, I had the vision, began to step out in faith and prayed that the finances in. Uh, more recently, I've been given a budget and it has massively released and empowered us to do far more than we could ever do before. So I want to share with you what I've learnt about that. Now this may be for you if you're just an individual person needing to raise support for the work that you're doing. It may be if you're heading up an organisation like myself, maybe a church pastor, maybe you're in business. I would suggest that this principle uh, that we're going to talk about today works across the board. Now there are many mistakes that we make of course when we think about raising finances whether it's support for us personally or for our vision. Uh, one of the obvious ones is where we think well I need a thousand dollars so if I can just find a hundred people who will give me ten dollars then surely that will work. But the reality is if people won't give you any money making it less, if they're not interested in what you're doing making it less won't make any difference. Uh, you, you may ask for $100, you may ask for $10. If people aren't inspired, they're not going to give you a penny. And then those people who would give you more than $10, what happens to them is they think, well, okay, I'll just give them $10, that's all they're asking for. So uh, that kind of idea doesn't get any money out of anybody who wouldn't have given anyway, and it actually limits people who probably would have given more. Now, like a lot of what I teach, I like to really base it on especially the life of Jesus. So let's look at a passage here uh, from the beginning of Luke chapter 8. After this, Jesus travelled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who'd been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out, Joanna, the wife of Cusa, the manager of Harold's household, Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. Joanna, out of all of them, is of particular interest to me because of who she was. She was married to Cusa, and Cusa was uh, the CFO, if you like, the chief financial officer, it seems, of Herod, who was the tetrarch, who lived in the northern part in Galilee, that area. So after Herod the Great died, uh, the kingdom was split into pretty much three areas given to three different sons. Uh, Archelaus in the south was particularly evil. And if you remember, um, Joseph was warned to go north to Nazareth uh, to avoid this particular king. And Jesus clearly made connections. You know, when we think about Jesus, we think about the man who was a friend of sinners and the poor 
and of course he was. However, he was also the friend of aristocracy. He was the friend of the wealthy people. He was a friend of people with resources. It seems he was just as comfortable with them as he was with those who were poor. And there was a reason that they gave to him, which we'll look at a little bit later. Spread, spot, stay, send is, of course, the way in which we uh, on pays at least reach out to people based on Luke chapter 10. Um, however, in Luke chapter 8, uh, it gives me uh, the idea that perhaps Jesus didn't just reach the lost in this way, but he also reached those who could support what he did. Let me explain how that affects me and how that influences the way I reach out in order to raise vision and finances and resources for the ministry. First, let's look at spread. For me, there are two key words as we spread the fact that we need resources, inspiration and information, not desperation and guilt. You know, sometimes you hear people saying, well, we have need and if you don't give to us, then things are gonna go terribly wrong. If you don't help us, think of the children. I don't believe that's the best way to raise finances. When I'm spreading the need, I use two words, inspiration and information. Inspiration in the form of uh, stats and stories and information in a way I'll share with you a little bit later on. So I tell everybody, what I've noticed is the people you might expect to give you money sometimes don't, and those you might not realize have resources give you far more than you would imagine. I was talking on Facebook recently to a couple who were very average, probably, well, just very average, let's say, in their finances. But they so much believed in what we did in the early days of pays that the wife went out and took on a part-time job purely so she could support the work of pays. See, people who really believe in what you do don't just give out of overflow, they sacrifice in order to give. So don't decide in advance who will give and who won't. When we think about spots, I don't make friends because I want their money. Um, I think that would be just manipulative. Um, I don't particularly actually go out to look for friends, to be honest. I share vision and often people will lean forward. What I've learned is to spot those leaning forward, whether they give money or not. In fact, many of the people who now give resources, financial resources to pays, originally didn't. They helped out in some other way. So I make friends because I care about people. I may ask those friends for help because I love God. So what I do is I, I you know, notice who's leaning forward and then I invest my time with those people because I realize that maybe God's calling them on the journey with me, but in a different way. And in order to do that, in some ways I create a new team, a different team I work with. They don't work in ministry on the stage with me, but they massively impact the importance and significance our ministry can have. And so I work with them as a team and I want to see them as a team. Perhaps you have people like that. Maybe you've never thought about creating a team from those people who give you resources, but I would encourage you that if they can feel on team with you, it will encourage them. Let's look at stay. I think this is really key. 
For me, I realise that I have people in my life who work alongside me, as I've said, on a stage, and they're really important. But I also notice I have people who resource me, and I want to make sure that they feel part of my life and my journey, that I'm not just using them for finances, that genuine friendship happens, whether they give or whether they don't give. So one of the things I do is I have a separate Facebook private group just for those people. There's only maybe half a dozen people on that group. And in that group, I share with them some of the background things that are going on in my life and with Lynn, my wife, and involve them in that journey. I want them to know that I want to open up my life to them if they're uh, helping. If they're investing in me, I want to invest in them. I want to give them an insight into what's really going on and what's really happening so they can, they can know they're making a difference and how that difference is being made known. And then fourthly, send. I might not be the person who convinced my friends to give, but those who've already been convinced and give may be the ones to convince them. So sometimes people have given to me and then their story has affected other people who are leaning forward but maybe have not given or sacrificed their resources as yet. So I'm gonna talk about this process of spread, spot, stay, send, of uh, friend raising. But before we do that, let's look at a simple workshop. As we look at this workshop, we need to remember the first step, which is that we need to lose ourselves. There are many reasons why we don't really often um, want to ask people for finances or for help. Maybe um, pride, uh, maybe apathy. Um, it may be fear of rejection or fear of losing people. Um, and in order to help us to get beyond that, I want you to look at your worksheet right now. When you look at your worksheet, you'll notice there's a horizontal line and you'll notice there's a vertical line. The horizontal line represents how much ministry and how effective you can be with limited resources or the resources that you have at your disposal now. So I want you to decide, well, how effective am I on a scale of naught to 10? And then on the vertical line, at the number one, just draw a line across and create a box. So it's going from one on the vertical line all the way over to wherever number you choose on the horizontal line. We'll call that box A. In box A, I would like you to write your present impact, the impact that you can have right now. Now what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to decide, well, if I let go of my fear, if I let go of my pride, my apathy, wherever it might be, and began to ask and raise resources, how good would I be at that? You might be a five or a six or a seven. So then draw a line horizontally from that number all the way across to the right, and then drop it down to the number you had before, and you'll create box B. In box B, I'd like you to now write what you could do and how effective you could be if you had the kind of resources you believe you could have if you lost yourself. Okay, hopefully you understand that. There's a couple of diagrams there for you to see. Um, 
please get on with that workshop. This is an exercise to help us get beyond ourselves and begin to understand that as we lose ourselves, we can actually have a much greater impact on the lives of others. So in my mind, the first step that I've learned to frame raising is to lose myself. I'm British, I don't like to ask people for money. It's, I don't know why, it's just my culture. But I've learned to lose myself because I realized that as I limit myself, it's not just me who's losing out, it's many other people. The second thing is I've learned to find my touch. My question is, what is it about you that has raised money from other people? Why have other people been inspired to give to you? Um, I've often said that people I've realized give to me and pays not for the reason I would expect. I would think people would give because of what we do, because it makes sense, because we're reaching young people. Uh, many young people come to know Jesus. Um, we have a great economic model, etc. Where I've learned as I took a step back and thought about it and analyzed it is most people give because of the teaching. They're impacted by the teaching and they want the teaching of pays to therefore go and reach other people. That's been the, the fish hook, if you like. That's been the thing that seems to have connected people. So what's your touch? How do you touch people? One of the things that we're trying to do really is bring out the same compassion and empathy in other people that we have. Um, I think it's really important to realize that we're not supposed to be something that we're not and we can't disguise what our vision and mission is in order to get finances. We'll talk about that just a little bit later on. Remember, people want to be heard, not just taught to. You can learn this by asking a simple question. If you could right any wrong in the world, what would it be and how would you do it? That answer may give you insight into what motivates them to take action. It's a question I've often asked, rather than just meeting me people and telling them about my vision and telling them about my needs, sometimes I've just said, hey, what is it about young people that, that you're worried about? What concerns you? And then I listen to what they say and I quite often find that we're doing something to meet that specific need. So I may not talk about everything that we do in depth. I'll talk to somebody, find out what God's doing in them, find out what their complaint is, and then I'll share with them in depth just the things that relate to that. For me, that's really important. And I think the other thing to do is to, is to realize that God brought people into your life, uh, not as a purse, but as a person. They want to be heard. You know, we can't make friends and just treat people as a way of getting finances. We have to listen to people and realize that God's brought them into our lives, maybe to help the vision, but he's also brought us into their lives because God's doing something in them that we can help them with as well. So with that in mind, I'd like you to look at this simple activity that I think could really help you. When you look at your worksheets and as you look at the screen, you'll see a green arrow and then you'll see a blue arrow. The green arrow represents people's complaints and the blue arrow represents our call. 
Now I want you to do this one of two ways. You can either look at the green arrow and think, well, what were people's complaints who gave to me? Or what is the complaint of people who I know right now who are really interested in helping us but haven't as yet? And then ask yourself the question, what is it that I do, what is it that I'm involved in that specifically meets that complaint? What am I called to do? What is the organization, the church, the ministry, the business that I'm involved in called to do to meet that complaint? Where those two things connect, you'll find something very special often happen. So I want to look at that example and spend maybe five minutes just reflecting as I did. I started to ask the question, what is it? And I realized that for me, most people, their complaint was that young people just didn't seem to be really motivated by church, that the teaching in church was very weak. It was just attractional. It was hype. It was rah, rah, rah. But young people weren't really growing apart from a real core that generally there was this core group in the church that were really full on and most people were just on the fringes going along for the entertainment. But when they heard the teaching of pays and the discipleship model, they really got involved. So I want you to just reflect on that. What is their complaint and how does my call fit? If it doesn't, we'll talk about that in a moment. Okay, hopefully that exercise just helps you reflect and maybe like me, you thought, actually, when I think about it, people's complaints is not really what I expected or the reason people have given in the past is not perhaps for um, the reason I would have expected. And you can then maybe think, well, maybe I need to invest more in that. When I realized it was teaching, I began to write books. Uh, we open sourced the teaching of pays so that people could get Livewire for free and we just gave it away because we realized that was touching people's lives and it was helpful. Let me show you another diagram. As you look at this on your screen, what does that say to you? You're probably looking at it and beginning to think through, what does this diagram mean? Let me just say this as you're still looking at those two arrows. True success in frame raising is when we stay focused on who we are and why we do what we do and we draw that same response from others. What you should never do is go chasing money. And what you should never do is change your calling in order for it to fit. There's been times when people have said to me, you know, I wanna to give towards this. And what they've said is interesting, but it's not our calling. And I could think, well, let me work on some kind of project that will get that money for them, from them and, and use it for these other things. That's not what we're about. And I think God will honor it when you stay true to your calling and you don't chase finances. But what you do look for are genuine ways to connect with people. So let's talk about that now. The third area of friend raising is this. Step three help them discover significance. One of the things I struggle with is being in debt to people. Um, I have a strong sense of responsibility and the idea of people giving to me and me not being able to give them something back, I really struggle with. What's really helped me get over this is understanding that I can help people discover significance. 
No matter how wealthy you are, you can't buy significance. Uh, you can build a great building, you can do many different things, but you can't buy the kind of significance that comes from changing thousands and thousands of lives. Now I can't give somebody significance, only God can do that, but I can help people discover it, their significance. So let me go through a number of ways of doing that. The first one is spell it out. I've noticed I need to clearly connect the dots between what people give and what it's used for. That that's my job, that's my responsibility. That when people give, often it's an act of faith and they don't really fully understand exactly how that money's being used. So let me give you an example. Um, I needed some money because I wanted to go to a new country, Australia. I'd always wanted to go there because I felt it was a great place to start pays and recruit from. And the schools are pretty open. It looked really good, but I could never get there. The way pays has always worked in the past is I needed invitations uh, to speak and the money given for me speaking covers my airfare. So I've always had to wait, but opportunities never came up initially. So I asked somebody, can you give me some finance to get a flight? And they did. And all sorts of things, some of which I can't go into publicly on this live wire came out from that. So what I did was I went back to the person and said, hey, you gave me one and a half thousand dollars. I was able to get this flight. Let me tell you what's happened. Now we can start a team in Australia. Now, two, three, four, there were four significant things that came out of that trip that I was able to share with this person. Guess what their next question was? Their next question was, do you need any more money? Is there anything else I can help sponsor? So spell it out. Know your facts. This is really important. The worst thing you can do when you've inspired people and they turn and say, okay, how can I help you? Is to go, um, well, we have quite a lot of needs really. Um, I don't know, we just need help really. Probably people aren't gonna give. People need to know what is the significance of what they're gonna give. So they need to know the facts. What is it you need? How much will it cost? what is it for? You need to know those things. You need to have them in your head. You need to walk around knowing those things because you never know when the moment's going to come when somebody's going to say, okay, so what do you need? You need to be ready. You need to be prepared in and out of season. Thirdly, share the end product first. I find this to be really, really important. When I'm asking for help, I don't simply say, hey, we need money to do this and this. I want to explain to people what the end product is of that. It helps people discover significance. So for instance, uh, we had a need a while back where um, one of our key staff members suddenly took a massive hit to their finances and said to me, Paul, I might have to get a part-time job. I don't want to, but I might have to because of this particular situation. Now that person was really involved, not only in helping us day to day, but on some key future projects, specifically helping us um, work with uh, a local large Bible seminary to um, sort out our diploma and future degree. So I went to somebody, I didn't say, hey, I've got this guy and if you don't give, we're gonna lose him and we need to help him with his salary. I went to this person and said, hey, we've got the opportunity now of turning the pays apprenticeship into something where you can also get a diploma and a degree in theology and youth and campus leadership. 
that would raise so many more apprentices and also allow us to keep people much longer than one year. Would you be interested in sponsoring that? It will cost us $10,000, but we know for sure that if we get the money, we can pay a person to do it and they will work on that project. The person said yes, and I got the money and we were able to do it and now we have a diploma and even this week I'm going to that seminary to speak on PAYS youth and campus leadership as we work together towards a degree. So share the end product first. Know your deadlines. Now, there's a couple of reasons for this and one of them is not obvious. The first one is um, people may think, oh, I'll give at some point. They might not realize there's a deadline when you need that money for. And if you miss that deadline, actually, you can't do uh, what you said you were going to do with the money they give. But the other side of this is sometimes people give, but they think you need it now. You might not need the money for six months. It might help you to know you're getting the money now, but you may not need it for six months. That's important to let people know because some people think, oh, I wish I could help, but I can't. But if you say, I don't need the money for six months, they may think, oh, well, by then I should have the money. And they can make a um, commitment to you to give you the finances. So not only know your facts and your needs, but know the deadlines. When do you need those finances that you're going to ask for? Those things will really help you. Step four is maybe a little bit unusual. It's lose your entitlement issues. This is something I've discovered with lots of people in ministry like myself. I was pretty poor. I realize now I didn't have a budget. We didn't have a lot, my wife and I. And people really helped us out. People really got involved. People, as you've heard, made sacrifices for us. 25 years later, and we're not poor. Um, we, we live a good lifestyle. God's blessed us. I don't think I should um, brag about that, but I certainly don't think I should hide that either. The problem is, as I look around at many people in my situation, we knew we once were poor, but we still think we are, and we still think people should be giving to us. Well, now I have resources, now I need to be giving my resources to other people. And I want to encourage you to lose your entitlement issues. God's not going to keep giving to you if all you're doing is storing things up. You need to use the finances and God blesses people who are themselves generous. Let me say one last thing before we go to our workshop about this. If you're not generous in a little, don't kid yourself, you're going to be generous when you have a lot. Practice generosity now when you have little sacrifice. God always blesses that. He always is made happy and blesses a cheerful giver. And then you'll be in the habit as God blesses you and helps you and looks after you. Okay, so uh, as we look at this uh, final workshop, let me just say this. If you're looking at raising finances, can I encourage you to spread, spot, stay, send. Spread, let people know, inspiration, information. But then spot those who may be wanting to give. They might not be sure how to give, they may only give a little, they may not give money, they may give in other ways. Invest in those people. Ask God, how can I bless those people? What's my touch? Is it teaching? 
Is it counseling? Is it something else that I can do for them? Be genuine, don't use people. Stay with them, involve them in your journey. Give them insight into what you're doing. Give them insight into how you're feeling about things. And then encourage them to tell others. You may not even have to do that to be honest, because if you can help them discover significance, they'll want to tell others about what not you're doing, but what you're both doing together, because they'll feel on team, because they are on team as much as anybody else. Okay, let's finish with the final workshop. Please create a simple diagram or infographic with your inspiration and information. So a mock-up one-page visual fact sheet containing the four elements to helping people discover the significance of what they give. I want you to create a fact sheet, just a little diagram, just a mock-up diagram. How would you visualize in some kind of infographic, some kind of graphic way where people give and where that money goes to? Bearing in mind the principles that I've just shared with you. I'd encourage you to spend some time with that because even just the process of writing that down will help you think through these principles. Hopefully this has been helpful to you. Um, bizarrely, I've never taught on raising money before in 25 years, certainly not done a live wire. So I'd appreciate any feedback on this um, to know if it was helpful and what I missed out. Thanks very much. Bless you and may God bless you. Bye.